0: Hey y'all, welcome to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm your host for this episode, Cody Stoffer, and I will be for quite a few episodes here in a row as we are kicking off our season previews here in July. I'm going to be going 5A through 1A basically in the order that I'm releasing it with a bit of 4A sprinkled in and some episodes that have multiple from each classification kind of mixed in there. And, you know, Coach V is going to do much of the same as well as Gideon as well, who has taken a handful of the teams that I had last year so that, uh, you know, he can get some experience with the previews as well as, you know, I will be out of the country starting on July 20th. So you will not be able to reach me, but you will be able to reach me and form me in on anything here and obviously give your feedback on these episodes that are coming out now. In this first episode, now I'm very excited to talk about a handful of 5A teams on this one that include Boulder, Westminster, North Glen, Mountain Range, and then the Centennial League at the tail end of this episode. For those who don't know, that's Smoky Hill, Grandview, Eagle Crest, Cherokee Trail, my alma mater is the word I'm looking for, Arapahoe High School, as well as the 5A defending back-to-back-to-back state champs, Cherry Creek. So in the season previews, for those who didn't listen to them last year and who are joining us on this journey, first off, welcome. And just know that we kind of talk about like the last year's recap and following that, we talk about some seniors that graduated, maybe some impact players, and then maybe some returning playmakers that are coming back into the fold or maybe any offseason moves or changes that we were alerted of. And then we kind of do a WOW, which is an acronym for Window of Wins, where we project how many wins they will have. We take a look at their schedule. Most schedules will be basically the same as last year with home and away games flipped. But, you know, they will be viewable games and, you know, ones that we try and take a stab at. And, you know, we did a pretty good job last year at projecting who would win what games. And, uh, you know, we'll be able to discuss some of that on here. But, you know, that's kind of the rundown of how our season previews go. Obviously, be sure to follow us on TikTok, where we give brief synopsises as well as highlights from that team's season and, you know, just kind of give them a little bit of that spotlight there as well. But now that I have you on the edge of your seat here, you know, let's go ahead and talk about this first team on the docket just because... This team was a little bit hard to research. So I want to just try and get this up front and going here because this is a struggle that we will run into at times where if teams don't have a lot of stuff posted on Max Preps, I can't find your all-conference teams if you weren't on all-state teams. And, you know, obviously we don't watch every single game of every single season because it's literally three slash four of us by now. And so, you know... We try and find what information we can, as well as you know any film and whatnot. And uh, you know it's hard to know who to look at if you don't have numbers. So you know, I think that this is already better than last season. I would say, as far as doing my research and who has their numbers in and who's been inputting stats and whatnot. But you know, we still encourage teams to definitely have someone designated to input proper stats, regardless of how well or how bad your season went just so you know we can still get these players names out there and we could still kind of discuss you know who we're talking about in the season previews here. So that's just kind of my little soapbox, but now that we really are 4 minutes in, let's go ahead and talk about this very first high school here, the Boulder High School Panthers here. You know, this team is one that struggled a little bit here. In this recap you know I did project them to win more wins than they ended up doing and you know they had their struggles here especially on the offensive side of the ball you know Boulder here they went one in nine last season I projected them to be within I want to say three to six in their window of wins so I would say that they underachieved and you know it started with a win over Centaurus you know 16 to 10 W before dropping the next nine part of it was You know how good some of these teams were. Our Nevada West is a solid team. But then you lose to a 4A Silver Creek and I believe a 4A Monarch 44-0, which is just rough. And then probably their best chance for a win down the stretch was against this mountain range team that I'll talk about here in a little bit before going 0-5 in league and allowing over 30 points per game and not being able to score over 10 points outside of their one win against Centaurus So, you know, the defense was on the field quite a bit. There's a lot of inexperience in the backfield as well as under center that I think kind of plagued this team last year. And, you know, they had a new coach, another one. And, uh, you know, they'll have another new coach this year as well. So he'll be looking to try and right the ship and get a little bit more out of this program. But let's go ahead and talk about some of the seniors that graduated here. I just kind of have, you know, what has been made by the boulder booster club or the uh panther club you know whether that's on youtube or facebook to kind of go off of here so you know malachi tariko was a graduate eric martinez who i believe was the lead tailback or at least one of the guys who got carries uh charlie Getz was a captain and he was a skill position player so he'll be graduating as well as tate franz Jaden seligman then you also have uh, another senior here who's actually signed to play on the next level here. And, uh, you know, that's going to be Daniel Gerlock. He's a uh, punter, kicker. And, uh, you know, he's going to play some college football at Colby College out there in Maine. So, you know, that's exciting for him as well. So, you know, one of the few guys who we at least have confirmation on going on and playing some college ball. Then we got Mac Keegan here, Dakota Hess-Talene here as well, Garrett Summers being a lineman, at least listed on this initial roster here. Then we have a Luke Robbins. He's a senior wide receiver here. I'm going to save Ethan for last because he's one of the best players on this team and somebody that I talked about in last season's kind of preview. Uh Johan Martinez Hernandez is a skill position guy who has graduated this year as well. So a lot of uh skill position guys, but also some linemen. You know, I think of the senior who was listed. I believe it's Alexander uh Jacques, maybe. Uh but you know he had a little spotlight and they I think they did a good job Uh, spotlighting the seniors, you know, as far as, you know, who there is and, uh, you know, doing a little profile on their Facebook page. So I thought that that was interesting. And, you know, obviously they had just some inexperience and a lot of first-year starters on this team, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball that just kind of plagued them. But I would say that maybe the most notable dude on this squad was Ethan Kunkel here he did end up committing to play for St. John's university. That is a D three program up in New York. But I do think that he has the most upside with just his athleticism and understanding of the game, as far as what he has heading into you know, his college career and all of that being said, you know, like I said, the stats were really hard to come by on this squad. And, uh, you know, they just didn't input a lot of their stats is what it came down to. So I'm kind of going in blind here and they didn't have a lot of all league guys. They didn't have a lot of all state guys, if any. So, you know, there's definitely a lot of, you know, names to be learned this year under the new direction of head coach Jesse Jones, who, you know, comes in and has been building a lot of buzz in this community, I would say. And you know is one of the things to maybe be a little bit excited for with you know this football team and uh, you know one that did not experience a lot of success this last season and you know in a spotlight with uh, Boco Preps shout out to them for you know doing this kind of spotlight here you know Jesse he has coached at Adam City he's a former indoor professional football player in you know arena leagues and uh the american professional football league as well so you know he coached at commerce city for a few years and you know he's had opportunities to face the panthers and you know respects it and also kind of wants to bring similar energy at least to boulder now that coach prime is there and you know really maximize the boulder panthers as a football team and what he wants to be a football town as far as guys who scored points last year uh, walker hungate is going to be an incoming senior who looked like he notched a couple of touchdowns here you also have a waylon lowry as well as a landon covel who appeared to register tackles last year like i said not a ton of statistics here And uh, Walker, also somebody who notched interceptions along with Lowry's one interception as well. And then on the offensive side of the ball, it's kind of hard to tell. The only underclassman who attempted passes last year was Henry Sharp. But, you know, that was to a varying degree of success with zero touchdowns and three interceptions. And, uh, you know, I think that this team's going to end up having to lean on just a few athletes for this season more than you know, they'd maybe like to for the next season. So looking ahead to their 2023 fall schedule here, you know, the order is gonna be changed up a little bit. They open up the season against Monarch High School instead of Centaurus, but they will play Centaurus in Lafayette after that. And then after that, they got Arvada West, Silver Creek, Mountain Range, Fossil Ridge on the road, Fairview, I love that it says away because they play in the same stadium. And then Pooter, Rocky Mountain at home, and Fort Collins on the road. Now, it's one of those things with a new coach and a team that doesn't have a lot of stats and then has a handful of impact players that we did know of graduating and kind of some unproven guys as well. And, you know, a poor record from the prior year. It's going to be one of those things where it's going to have to be a you-show-me situation. So Boulder here, I have their window of wins between 0 and Three, I think that maybe they could beat Centaurus again. Monarch is a team that I think is going to be very solid again. Arvada West, you know, they're going to be a lot younger, but they also just have a really good talent pool there and uh, very good coaching. Mountain Range is probably a winnable game here, but, uh, you know, the rest of their league looks strong as well as last year, maybe building off of some success last year or just continuing to be successful in a lot of things. Silver Creek is a 4A squad. So we will see kind of where they're at. But that is my season preview for the Boulder Panthers. The next team that I'm going to talk about here is, you know, we're going to kind of work our way, or at least for the most part, work our way from north to south, uh, more or less. So the next three teams, you know, are going to be Mountain Range, North Glen, and Westminster. They are all in the same league. And, uh, you know, they're all teams that kind of had their struggles last year. So I'm excited to talk about them and, you know, maybe get a little bit excited and generate some buzz. So, you know, let's go ahead and talk about mountain range football here. And, uh, you know, just kind of talking about last season, you know, they kind of stumbled out of the gate, losing two close-ish ones to Greeley West and Centaurus before a forfeit sparked a two-game, or I guess if you include the four-foot, three-game win streak against Grand Junction and Boulder. But once they got into league, they were pretty outclassed by everyone withholding Westminster, which was only a one-score game here. So talking about graduating seniors, there were three different quarterbacks getting starts last year, and two of them were seniors in Isaac Gomez and Mason Tafoya. But uh, you know their QBR was pretty low, so they are looking for their playmaker under center still. But, uh, you know, their tailback, Dylan Sherman, that's going to be a big loss here since he had a 1,000 yard season, 10 rushing touchdowns, and he had the largest scrimmage yards by a really significant margin, uh, running for more than three quarterbacks combined to pass for. And, uh, you know, at the same time, he was also the leader in receptions, and he was second in total yards, and fourth in tackles, and had an interception on defense. So, you know, he was the do it all sco- stud on this squad. And uh, you know he he graduated this past spring in uh, 2023 here. So and then senior receiver and Dino Disqua uh, graduates after being the leading receiver in yards. So when Sherman was leading in rece- leading in receptions, and then and Dino was receiving leading in yards. And then in the secondary, the likes of Jeremiah Cortez and Julian Morrow both graduate with three interceptions apiece. And almost every other person who notched an interception graduates, like Andino, like Sherman and uh, Joshua Dutra, who also led the team in pass deflections with nine, making for 10 interceptions and 24 pass deflections walking across the stage. And, you know, while the leading tackler will return, six of the other top seven tacklers will not be returning. And that makes for a cumulative loss of 230 plus tackles to graduation. But... You know, we've been a little bit of a Debbie Downer here. Let's go ahead and pick it up and talk about some of the guys who are going to be coming back and try and create some buzz here. So, you know, while they did lose a lot of guys, I wouldn't say any of them were really wow contributors and uh, they got to be pumped that Connor Clark is returning. He recorded 50 solo tackles himself and led the team in total tackles by more than double digits and, you know, is going to probably be that guy that they lean on to get this defense set and ready to go. And then the leader with the leader in tackles for loss for the defense also comes back with Trey Parker on the defensive line, who, you know, is a little bit on the smaller size, but, uh, you know, he was getting into the backfield as a junior, so his senior year should yield some good results. And then Devin Meisner, who tied for the team lead in sacks with three in just six games could benefit from some health and uh, see his production take an uptick. And then Taryn McNair, he was uh, respectable with an interception and four pass deflections on this defense. So the defense is returning a lot, which is good because unfortunately, there doesn't seem a whole lot to talk about on offense. But maybe something interesting is that as a sophomore, Bryce Stillings got the occasional nod and you know passed the ball 29 times and led the team in completion percentage with a smaller sample size and was the only quarterback on the squad to record a positive touchdown to interception ratio. The only red flag here is that the only game where he had more than 10 attempts did not go so well. But with so many graduates at skill positions, you might just have to hand them the keys and hope for the best so that senior year, you might make a push. So he's entering his junior season here. The, you know, my guess at quarterback Bryce Stillings. And, uh, you know, I think that this schedule for Mountain View, you know, will give them chances, but it giveth and It taketh a little bit here. So they open up the season once again against Greeley West on the road in Greeley. That's going to be tough. Greeley West, I do know, is returning a handful of solid players, you know, players that I coached when they were freshmen and, uh, you know, are now entering their junior and senior seasons with, you know, some juice. They are losing some studs as well. But, uh, you know, that game, I'm going to say, is kind of a toss up. So we'll kind of just see how it goes. But I'm leaning Greeley West. Centaurus, you know, one's going to toss up, but I might even be leaning Centaurus here. Uh, Then after that, Mullen is one of their non-league games. I don't think that they win this game. And then Grand Junction and Boulder kind of toss-ups as well, but I'll give Mountain Range the edge in those games before. You know, a Doherty squad that did graduate some talent, but they still do have some very talented skill position players. Westminster is a team that, you know, I mean, they're returning solid numbers, but they're still a bit on the younger side here. So, But I do think that Westminster probably beats them again this year before they wrap up the season against North Glen Overland and Denver East. Uh, A lot of those teams, I think, just have a more solid or consistent talent pool to kind of pull from there. So, you know, let's say uh, worst-case scenario you only beat a Greeley West, a and, uh, you know, one of the two, and then you beat Grand Junction and Boulder, I still think, and maybe you get, um, maybe you get the door slammed on you in league. That's about three wins, I want to say. And then best case scenario, they steal one against, like, a Westminster or a North Glen, or they win against West and Centaurus to start the season. I say that you probably have a window of wins of around three to five for this mountain Rage, mountain range squad here up in Westminster. And uh, you know, they'd love to get that win back in that crosstown rivalry. So I think that's something that'll be fueling them a little bit, but uh, you know, there's still a lot of questions here at skill positions to try and project something to go that well. So that does it for mountain range. So let's go ahead and talk about another team in their league and that's gonna be the North Glen Norsemen. So for North Glen, they got off to a really nice 3-0 start that was with a forfeit win over Gateway and very solid wins over Adams City and Thornton. But you know they were brought down back down to earth with Stanley Lake really put into them, rushing all over them. And then a close loss to Prairie View was the beginning of a bad streak here as they got absolutely drubbed by Denver East and Overland in league play. They then bounced back to go 2-1 and one down the month of October here with uh, of wins against Mountain Range and Westminster, and then a 40-plus point loss to Doherty. So when they won, they won, you know, they won respectively and, uh, you know, kind of put things away. And when they lost, they lost kind of hard. So, you know, I think that's kind of the Norseman run down here for north glenn and uh you know it's unique that they had so many contributors on the offensive side of the ball but there's one senior that does stand out who is graduating and that's brian uh dixtra here who was not only solid on defense with an interception 46 tackles but he led the team in total yards receptions and tied for receiving touchdowns while logging another three scores on the ground but just overall was a very nice utility player And speaking of, you know, receptions and receivers, the top five receivers, including Brian, all graduate. And while none of them were, I'd say, necessarily dominant, it's just a ton of yards walking across the stage here. And then, you know, in the backfield, Zach Martinez did run for 500 yards and was the leader in carries and kept it consistent on the ground. He'll be graduating. And then there's some studs on the defensive side of the ball here who are graduating in Brock Butcher and Manuel Pacheco Jr. Uh, who both had five sacks apiece and were beasts for this defense, with over 150 combined tackles and 16 total tackles for loss, with the ability to not only get to the quarterback but also, you know, get those hurries as well and force some bad decisions. And another guy on the defensive line who is a stud was Giovanni Cardona, uh, who had 59 tackles and six of those being for loss. So lots of losses up front for the defensive line. And then at the wide receiver position, looking a little bit bare here. But, you know, there's some young players here who are very intriguing to keep an eye out for. But, you know, we'll start with the rising senior Elvio Agaga here, who had, you know, a smooth 53 tackles and five tackles for loss this season where he was fifth on the team in total tackles. And then we have Demetrius Perea here who had an interception and two fumble recoveries along with 48 tackles and three tackles for loss here where he ended up in the backfield. So just a nice overall heads up, you know, head on a swivel player here in Perea. And then, you know, we have some sophomores here like Anthony Martinez who had 47 tackles and four for loss. And, you know, is gonna have to be that guy on the defensive line who takes a big step this next season and performs for the Norsemen. And, you know, as far as, you know, quarterback goes, they will be returning, you know, their starting quarterback from last year, who's entering his senior year. That's Trevor Dean. You know, he threw for over 1300 yards and whatnot, and uh, ran for another 245. So overall 17 total touchdowns, 11 through the air and six on the ground. But He is very turnover prone. He did throw 14 interceptions last year, and that was with a consistent kind of squad. So, you know, it makes me wonder if he's, what's that's going to kind of look like with a bunch of skill position guys that he hasn't thrown to before in his senior year, should he be given the job anyway? So let's go ahead and take a look at this, you know, upcoming season schedule for the Norseman here and just kind of see where they're at. So once again, opening up against Adam City, that should be a win. Uh, That's on the road, but I still think it should be a win. Then they play at home against Gateway and Thornton. And, uh, you know, I think that they could get off to another 3-0 start here this year before playing against Stanley Lake. Now, Stanley Lake had a pretty substantial amount of graduates here. And, you know, I'm not sure if they're gonna be able to sustain their success that they did last year. So this is a winnable game. But, uh, you know, I think that that's more on uh, that's more of a window of win kind of game here. Prairie View, they had a handful of young players last year, but they also had a handful of rising seniors as well. So, you know, this game was only a one score game last season, and I could see much of the same this year. Now, Denver East Overland. uh, Once again, I think that these talent pools just kind of override Uh, North Glen's ability here, and I think that especially at skill positions, you're going to see a gap here in experience between, you know, the East Angels and the Overland Trailblazers here compared to North Glen, that is. But, uh, you know, they might be able to get a push up front, which is good. Mountain Range, I still think that North Glen probably wins this game, honestly. And then Doherty and Westminster, I think that, uh, you know, North Glen might be in for a pretty solid season here. No, I think on the low end of things, they definitely at least win four games. Uh, But, you know, on the high end of things, one, two, three, four, five, six, maybe they go six. So I'm going to give them a window of wins of four to six. I'm pretty sure that's what I had for them last year, and they probably end up going five and five or six and four here. So that's going to be my projection for the North Glen Norsemen to wrap up this league or at least the teams that i have from 5a league seven we're gonna unfortunately you know have to bring up last year's recap of westminster which is definitely not the season the wolves were aspiring for as they allowed a pretty zany 50 points per game this season and uh and what was probably one of the worst disasters in school history with three of their opponents scoring over 60 points um And I have no idea how they got that win over Mountain Range. That had to be like rivalry fuel because I don't even know if this team was really better than Mountain Range last season. But, you know, I mean, the record doesn't show so at least. But, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and talk about it here. I mean, look, far northeast, that's a good team with uh, great athletes. They had a dominant player in, I want to say, Draymond Jackson maybe. Then they lose to a Rangeview squad, a Stanley Lake squad that was really good last year. They allow Prairie View to score 63 points. No disrespect to Prairie View, but oh my gosh. And this is the first of two 63 point games that are scored on that they're scored on because then they play a team from Wichita, Kansas, which kudos to them for getting out there and playing, you know, an out-of-state team. And then, you know, they start to just look a little bit more coherent in the next two games, losing to Overland by only two points. And then they beat Mountain Range by seven before, you know, a very good Doherty or a playoff team, at least in Doherty, uh, comes through and beats them. And then they get drubbed again by Denver East and North Glen to end their season. So, you know, let's talk about some of the seniors that graduated here. You know, this team was incredibly long, young last year, but uh, two senior running backs ran for over 500 yards combined and two scores in the pair of Will Miley and uh Quentin Watson and then the two leading tacklers of Xavier Picasso and Kiko Rosales 73 and 65 tackles respectively both graduate with Kiko Rosales uh notching another seven tackles for loss which was tied for the team lead and uh Xavier Picasso had an interception himself the other person who got seven tackles for loss was Andrew Garcia who's also graduating this year And you know, Will Miley on the defensive side of the ball, not only running the ball well, but he had three tackles for loss. And uh, you know, the top five tackles for loss leader are all graduating between Miley Garcia, Rosales, and then Leo Lujan and Ethan Candelaria, who had uh, seven tackles for loss combined. And uh, you know, 460 pounds up front that they'll be losing. So a lot of the guys that were able to get into the backfield who were able to do something on defense at times last year, are all graduating but you know the secondary is going to look very similar to last year you know nine out of the 12 past deflections returned to the secondary headlined by incoming seniors hunter m garten and uh elias garcia who both had a pair of interceptions as well so the secondary should be a little bit more improved last year and on top of that m garten was the leading tackler on the squad with 47 tackles last season and uh you know five other underclassmen were in the top 12 of tackles and you know that should hopefully uh, keep a lot of what was good and uh, improve off of that for this upcoming year. Hunter on the offensive side of the ball was also the leading receiver with just a hair under 600 yards and three receiving touchdowns. And then with another 700 yards of return yards, Hunter almost reached 1,400 yards from scrimmage. So they're probably getting their absolute best player back from last year in Hunter M. Garten heading into his senior season. And then uh, Colby Saez, Uh, You know, his three sacks were the highest by an individual on the team. And then, you know, he also had 34 tackles and three tackles for loss as well. So, you know, once again, one of those guys who was in the top 12 who was an underclassman uh, or at least, you know, not a senior will be coming back. And then Mason Kuwait was the guy for this offense under center, you know, throwing for 1500 yards and throwing or rushing for a combined 24 touchdowns. But uh, it was not all sunshine and rainbows as he did throw 13 interceptions. But I think part of that is just how quickly opposing offenses were scoring and kind of putting this Wolves offense into, you know, kind of a score immediately kind of situation with a lot of these scores. So, you know, hopefully the defense can take a step up the backfield could take a step forward as well. That's going to be necessary because the rushing attack just was not very efficient last year. And obviously that includes the offensive line that's going to have to improve as well here. But, you know, he is, like I said, going to be getting Will back as well as Elias Garcia, who is the leading touchdown catcher with five and just, you know, received over 450 yards in only seven games. So their passing attack should look a little bit better this year with some consistency over the past two years and but their defense is still an absolute problem they hopefully have a new defensive coordinator to try and figure it out but you know looking ahead to their fall 2023 schedule here obviously it's going to look similar in a lot of ways here they're going to still open up the season against far northeast warriors here in denver Uh, but this time it'll be on the road as will Rangeview and Stanley Lake so they have three road games to start um you know Far Northeast does graduate some guys but they had some underclassmen contributions as well and then uh you know Rangeview I think that this might be a winnable game honestly for Westminster but to be determined Stanley Lake like I said in a prior segment they're just not as good as last year so, you know, a uh, little bit of a toss up there. They then have Overland at home, play Mountain Range on the road, Doherty on the road, all the way down in the spring. So that's a little bit of a drive there. And then close the season against Denver East and North Glenn at home. Honestly, this team, I think, has very important pieces coming back. And so they should be hopefully a little bit more competitive than last year. But. I still think at best this team maybe, maybe wins three games. So I'm going to give them a window of wins of one, two, three here for this season. The offensive line is just going to have to show me a lot more. This offense has to be balanced. And, you know, the defense has to. There's no reason for me to believe in this defense as of right now. So that's something that has to be earned. So, you know, I say that maybe they go two and eight this season or three and seven more than likely. But, uh, you know, they could have a repeat of last season. It'd be really cool if they won four games, but I think two and eight or three and seven are kind of what we're looking at for the Wolves as a whole. So, yeah, that does it for, you know, the teams that I have from that league. I think that Simon also has somebody in that mix there as well. But, you know, let's go ahead and talk about the Centennial League, the most exciting league in 5A, in my opinion, I think that obviously they produce, you know, the majority of the teams in this league make the playoffs almost every year. And, you know, last year was much the same where five out of the six did make the postseason. So let's go and talk about it, including my starting off, I should say, with my alma mater, the Arapaho Warriors. And so last year, that was the first season with Coach Tyler Brighton. Brighton, my apologies in the headset and it can be argued that it was a major success having lost lots of firepower on the defensive side of the ball younger players stepped up and were making plays and there are a handful of seniors who elevated their game and you could argue that they were competitive in games they were supposed to be and even performed great in league with an upset win over grandview Uh, their season ended on a freezing night against thunder ridge on the heels of a sensational performance where arepo dared the grizzlies to beat them with their freshman qb and hats off to thunder ridge and DJ Bordeaux and that Grizzlies team that obviously did exactly that but I think that six and four there's a lot to be happy about with a pretty relatively young team here but let's go and talk about some of the seniors who did graduate who won't be helping the Warriors and won't be in the fold this year so you know on offense they are fortunate to be returning a handful of players since last year they were really junior heavy and didn't produce a ton of points Uh, But, you know, the main catalyst to this offense was Alonzo Ramirez, who, you know, graduated after having 126 carries last season and just over 800 uh, scrimmage yards. And then, you know, on the receiving end of things, uh, Jackson Schmeling was second on the team in receptions with 33, which was 15 more catches than the number three receiver and was just shy of 400 yards. So... You know, those are two guys on the offensive side of the ball that we won't be seeing as well as, you know, this guy who went both ways, the six foot five, 270 pound first team all state PMC senior top five tackle, uh, not offensive tackle, but Matthew Green, who's taken his talents to UNLV after putting in fantastic work on both sides of the ball this past season and, you know, being one of our top five interior defensive linemen in the senior class, his intensity and strength will be an edge that the Warriors will need to replace on both sides of the ball with his five tackles for loss on the defensive side of the ball and then just being a huge anchor for the offensive line as well. They also lose first-team All-State specialist Jackson Smith, who scored 52 points and consistently pinned teams inside of their own 20 a handful of times, which could be a large impact for a team that wasn't explosive on offense. So, you know, the offense is going to have to step up and uh, probably can't rely on a specialist to do a lot of the same things now on the defensive side of the ball more specifically michael autry was second on the team in tackles with 105 and the leader in tackles for loss with seven tackles for loss and then also from his backer position he was somebody who could really pack a punch knew how to spotlight the ball and he forced three fumbles which is pretty substantial in uh you know a sport or at least in a situation in this high school football where. No know, fumbles, they're either really easy to come by or they're impossible to come by. So being able to force more than one fumble, I think that's when you start to see it as more of a skill thing, especially two. And then once you get to three, that's that's an established skill to me rather than luck. So and then leading pass rusher, Kate Huggins, departs with Matthew Green, obviously, and Michael Autry. All three of those guys combined for nine sacks and 23 hurries. So those will all be moving on. But uh, Brayton, with his experience on the defensive line, I'm not, obviously it hurts to lose talent, but, you know, in a year where they had to replace Jer Ramos as well as Jackson from, you know, them going to their schools of Montana and Air Force, respectively, I think that they did a pretty good job and we should expect a little bit of the same next year as well. Then defensive back Sam Ballas led the Warriors with 12 pass deflections and brought a couple down with him while forcing and recovering fumbles. So that's another defensive stud that they'll have to do without. But, you know, while they're missing pieces from both sides of the ball, I think that they bring back their best two-way player this year in the returning playmakers section here with Charlie Eckhart, who's been looked at and offered by a handful of teams in the Ivy League. His physicality makes him a problem on offense with fantastic jump ball skills, including a jump ball win that... Literally won them the game against Legacy to start their season last year. And then on the defensive side of the ball, absolute stud. Mainly what he's being recruited as is a safety uh, where he had two interceptions and another 11 pass deflections. And, uh, you know, I'd I'd love to see an Arapa wide receiver doing big things. And, you know, he's going to continue to be that threat on offense, but expect him to basically never leave the field when offense or defense is on this season. The Warriors probably will also benefit here from having some consistency under center with Mikey Moynihan entering his senior year. And, uh, you know, in his first year as a full-time starter, he kind of struggled to establish rhythm and good decision-making, throwing 10 TDs to 10 interceptions. But, uh, you know, he kind of helped soften those mistakes by offering a you know aspect of his game running the football. He averaged 6.1 yards per carry, and he ran for six touchdowns. And, uh, you know, he'll still be an integral part of their run game with no clear-cut next guy up, you know, rushing the football. So, you know, he'll be leaned on to, you know, like he did last year, run the football very well and efficiently, but probably at a higher volume and then hopefully getting an opportunity to turn this into a little bit of an RPO action and uh, getting to pass the ball a little bit more as well. Jumping over to the defensive side of the ball, Coach Brayton's, you know, strength, I'd say, is, uh, you know, this defense will be the moneymaker for this team, as discussed with Charlie Eckhart, obviously on the defensive side of the ball. But they got a ton of playmakers returning, including four of their top five tacklers, with Joshua Acker, who also led the team, or was tied for the team lead with two interceptions, and recorded another seven pass deflections, and recovered a team high, two fumbles. So a very heads-up player there. Then you got Wyatt Starbuck here, uh, 51 tackles, five of those being for loss, Eckhart, and then the tackle leader, Will Knox, who notched 118 tackles and was the mind in the middle for this defense. He will be asked to do more without his running mate, Autry, obviously, but I believe he is more than capable of doing so and is on my watch list for linebackers this season. And then after making second team all centennial league and catching our eye as freshman year, Ben Brown returns for his junior season. and will probably be asked to play across the line and we'll look You know be asked to take a step forward in green's absence so you know last year i projected them to have a window of wins between three and five they went six and four so they obviously exceeded expectations uh by a little bit here and so let's go ahead and take a look at their 2023 schedule now that the the bar has been raised for them but you do have to remember that the bar is raised for everyone else as well So looking ahead to this 2023 schedule, you know, I do think that some challenges from last year will continue to be challenging. And uh, some things that were easy last year, maybe will be a bit more challenging than they were in the 2022 season. You know, I think that this legacy game, this is going to be in Broomfield instead this time. And this legacy squad is very, very good. This could go either way, but they could start off with a loss on the road this season. And then this year for the Milk Jug Trophy, uh, you know they do face a heritage team that is returning, plenty of talent. I think that they're also getting an upgrade under center, uh, potentially as well with a very tall mobile quarterback. So you know they'll have some things to combat there. They did graduate their most productive guys on offense, but a lot of this defense for the Eagle squad is returning. And this is probably gonna be one of the more competitive Milk Jug games in the past five years probably, uh, between a Heritage and Arapaho as well. They then have, you know, two more home games in what I assume is gonna be the new LPS stadium against Regis and Columbine here both on Friday nights. Um, you know, I think that Regis is a bit more winnable this year just with how many guys they did graduate, but they still have stellar playmakers, especially in that backfield, that they're gonna have to key up on and their offense is going to have to overcome this Raider defense which is always a challenge same with Columbine Rock Canyon did graduate a lot of people and I think that this is probably a win here for Arapahoe uh, as they've kind of gone back and forth over the past couple of years and that will conclude their league play here so I think you know at worst I think that they still win two of these games and uh, maybe three of them but we'll say that they're two and three heading into league play Smoky Hill, they should be able to get a win there. At least get to 500, if not over 500 by this point in the season before facing Grandview, Cherokee Trail, Cherry Creek, and Eagle Crest. All teams that are going to be substantially better than last year. But I don't think there's really anyone here that Arapaho can't compete with, if I'm being honest with you. you. know, they obviously beat Grandview last year, but they lost to them the year before that with a chance to win leagues. So, you know, a little bit of a back and forth there. I'm going to give the edge to Grandview uh, just with the skill position diff and you know the quarterback play a little bit until Mikey potentially shows me more this season. Cherokee Trail, they're, they're going to be substantially more competitive this year but I still think that they're more on the younger side here so I'm going to give Arapahoe the win on that one and then Cherry Creek and Eagle Crest, they probably split those games. So let's say worst case scenario, I still think that they probably win three games in league and then say that they win only two games non-league. I think that this team should at least win five games. This team should at least win five games here. So I'm going to go and write that in chalk here. And then at best, you know, I... Mm, maybe they beat a Grandview and go 4-1 in league and maybe they beat a Regis or a legacy. I don't think both. So I think that five to seven is the window of wins and expectation for my warriors at only a season after doubting them. I am going to place the bar a little bit higher and, you know, expect them to compete with uh for a first round buy once again, this season and, you know, maybe even be a little bit more settled and hopefully Brayton sticks around. It's kind of a miracle that this team has remained so competitive Despite all of the moving parts here, they obviously have to find that guy in the backfield to stabilize their offense. But this team has always been most successful when the defense is good. And I think that it will continue to be good this season. I will say that my projected record is probably five and five, um, but you know, I'm open to being wrong. So at least in the name of my alma mater. So, you know, I'm excited to check that out. And, uh, you know, obviously, no, get a chance. I'm probably going to be at the milk jug game for this year, and for the first time as media, I'd love to be at the milk jug game. So, hey, my AHS guys, my uh, my guy uh, Taylor Bre- or Tyler Brayton there, whose name I literally can't say right because I'm recording this way too late at night. But uh, yeah, let's let's go ahead and link up and uh, you know take care of business against the Eagles, who I will be previewing and putting some more respect on their name as well. On another episode. But continuing with business on this episode, I do want to talk about Cherokee Trail here, who, like I said, was very young last season. You know, they had a very talented 2022 class that left and they were pretty depleted, but they had some young guys step up and a friendly start of non league play that they rode to a first round playoff berth uh, where they just lost to a more experienced Rock Canyon team. Uh, Cherokee Trail will look to build off this past year with a season of experience and a ton of confidence to perform better and compete more in league, I believe. So, you know, they go 4-6 and overall. They start off their season with a win against Chatfield and then a close loss to Rocky Mountain before getting drugged by Columbine and then bouncing back with wins over Fort Collins and Castleview in pretty competitive games. And then, unfortunately, they only get a five-point win over Smoky Hill in league. Uh, They push Arapahoe pretty close, losing by only four points in a very low scoring game before losing to Rock Canyon by three. So, and I think that Rock Canyon game is a great benchmark for the ceiling of this team, honestly, because I don't think that they really had any business being that competitive with Rock Canyon, who was very solid on both sides of the football and were very good at establishing their will. And uh, they didn't quite be able, they weren't quite able to do that to the same level with this Cherokee Trail team. So let's talk about some of the graduating seniors here, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, they are gonna be losing the leading receiver, Noah Greer, who graduates after a solid 53 reception, 682 yard and six touchdown season, where he had twice as many receptions as the next receiver. And if you combine that with another 400 yards and of returning the football, this was the only thousand yard all purpose contributor last season. So that will be a stellar athlete that they will have to replace here now a lot of teams could live with 24 points per game allowed and that was more than enough for Cherokee Trail that was aided by a very senior heavy defense Uh, seven of their nine leading tacklers are graduating that accounts for 695 tackles 19 tackles for loss and nine interceptions this includes their top five tacklers Patrick Samate, who had 86 tackles and interception, two sacks. Malik Jamison, who had 92 tackles, two for loss and interception, and 10 pass deflections, along with a blocked field goal. And then linebacker Ellis Williams, who had 125 tackles, five tackles for loss, and a pick six. And that's not even the most tackles on the team, as Caden Porter, who had 136 tackles. Combine all of this with top five senior safety Caleb Davis, who I think is at Chatteron State. Um, or actually, Caden Porter was second on the team in tackles. Caleb led the team in tackles, tackles for losses, interceptions, and also had a pick six. Uh, you know, his athleticism and IQ is going to be deeply missed. He's somebody who, you know, you could really trust to cover a lot of the field, covered a lot of ground for guys. And so, you know, this defense. That I thought performed pretty well in bunches last year, you know, with their win over Chaffield, with their win over for in their wins and even in their uh loss against Arapo and Rock Canyon. I think that this defense performed very, very well. And for kind of a change of pace, the offense wasn't really the one pulling the weight. But, you know, with so much of the back end of the defense graduating, we gotta talk about some fellows up front who are returning, you know, for the defense. Like all-league class of 25 lineman Cade Brooke that was the only sophomore with over 60 tackles and also notched two sacks and five hurries you know he stands in at six foot three and two hundred and fifteen pounds as a sophomore and uh you know with some bulking this offseason hopefully he can get up to 220 225 and really cause some problems in the backfield and then the leading sack guy was Raul Rodriguez who's another class of 2025 guy to get excited about who collected four sacks last season and uh, had another five hurries and 39 tackles to go with that. Now, there is a mass exodus at the linebacker position, but Jaden Smith you know, will be the guy who's looked to do that uh, in a junior season that saw him collect 56 tackles. So he'll be the senior guy at the backer position this year. Now, there could be no relation, but there's another Jameson on this squad who had 44 tackles last season, and his name is Marquise. Uh, With another three pass deflections, he's somebody to probably lean on, you know, in secondary situations or in passing downs. Now, it's crazy that, you know, I talked about some seniors, but also some sophomores that were high impact because this class of 2025 Cougar squad here is very dangerous. And, you know, Simon did a breakdown of this quarterback, Elliot Ming, who, you know, in his freshman year threw 14 touchdowns to eight interceptions and over 1300 yards. I definitely would listen to Simon's breakdown once again on episode 224. But Elliott Ming gives this team a lot of promise here and a lot of hope in a season and in a system that, you know, this Cherokee Trail system is very quarterback friendly, I would say. And, you know, I think that this could be very exciting and promising for this squad for uh, Elliott Ming to kind of take over the helm and turn up here. Now, catching passes from Ming were also sophomores, uh, Summers and Mathenge, or Mathenge, who had over 600 combined yards. And Peyton Summers actually had five receiving touchdowns, being the scoring threat here. Now, while not being high in volume of receptions or yards, Peyton Castro is one of only three players who caught touchdowns last season and is coming back. Um, So, you know, that is somebody to kind of mention here. And then in the backfield, Noah Collins was a workhorse with 186 carries for 727 yards and four scores and you know should he focus focus on his vision this offseason and the line also kind of takes a step forward i could easily see him be a thousand yard rusher and uh you know if he could also be a threat out of the backfield this could be a very dynamic cougar offense one that we're used to seeing uh last year was a bit of an anomaly as you know through 11 games they were averaging basically two scores a game Uh, When only a year prior to that, Logan Brooke threw 30 plus touchdowns and their quarterback the year before that, when we first covered, whose name is escaping my mind at this moment, he also was dealing as well. And somebody that we kind of looked at for a top five quarterback kind of list, or at least during the pandemic season and whatnot there. So that is, those are the returning playmakers. This is going to be another offensive kind of renaissance for Cherokee trail, in my opinion. But uh, their defense taking as many hits as they did, along with other teams getting better, I think is going to pose some threats on this schedule. So I think that their opening home game against Chatfield. I think that this is probably a Chatfield win, having talked through them. Stay tuned for other 5A previews, obviously, that I'm going to be doing. But this Chatfield team is going to be really good this year. Now, on the road against Rocky Mountain. Rocky Mountain is graduating a lot of people. They should probably win that game this year. Columbine. I think that Columbine takes care of business against Cherokee Trail. And then for Collins, that one I could see being a toss-up as well as Castleview. Castleview has some studs on defense coming back, so I'd keep an eye out for that. And then there might be, you know, a sense of freedom with, you know, maybe a better quarterback stepping up to the plate out there for the Cats or Wildcats, whatever. They don't invite us to things, so. But, uh, you know, following that, they will turn their attention to league here. So, you know, in non-league games, I do think that 3-2 and two is a pretty reasonable request. But if they go less than 2-3, and three, something went very wrong. Uh, then in league play here, I do think that there is a chance for them to be a little bit more competitive against Eagle Crest this year. I don't think that they beat Cherry Creek. I don't think that they beat Arapaho with the youth that they have going on. But they could push them, as they've shown last year. So, you know, I think that obviously at worst one and four, but I think that they should probably go two and three in league combined with two and three in their um, in the other aspect of their season. So I think that at the bare minimum, this team wins four games. I say at the high end, you know, if they pull off wins, like if they go uh three and two and then uh, pull off an upset in league, they could win six games this season. Once again, I just think that they're a bit on the younger side and I don't know what to think of this defense, but I do think that there's a lot to be excited for. And I think that Cherokee Trail, depending on what goes well this year and how they kind of build off of this class of 2025 and some guys who, you know, are gonna get even more snaps from the class of 2025, this might be a team to watch out for here next year, especially heading into the Centennial League and even beyond that. But this team should make the playoffs. And, uh, you know, we'll see if they can maybe even get a playoff win for these Class of 2025 guys and get some experience as well in winning a playoff game. Up next here in the Centennial League, we have the Grand View Wolves here. And, yeah, let's go ahead and talk about what happened last season. They had a very solid season, honestly, where they did test themselves after what feels like a warm-up game. Over Overland, you know they did beat Fossil Ridge, who is a playoff team. They lost to Ralston Valley at home, who is a playoff team. They go to Fruit Monument, who while is four A is a a super far drive and B one of the better teams in four A, a playoff team as well. Then they trounce Pomona before heading into league play, where they go four and one, only losing to Arapo and beating Cherry Creek to end their season heading into the playoffs with an 8-2 record. They have a first-round bye where they await the winner of Mountain Vista versus Rocky Mountain. They end up beating Rocky Mountain 20-0, but in that game, Liam Zarka gets injured. I believe it was a hand injury, and so in the Pine Creek playoff game, they just fail to generate offense, and that's where their season ends is against Pine Creek so let's talk about some seniors who graduated and i think that the obvious headline here is from the stalwart tackles of zachary henning who's now going to washington and wyatt walters Uh, you combine those with the gigantic simon kibbe graduation and that takes away for the most part extreme size up front on the offensive side of the ball from the wolves and their ability to run the ball, as well as obviously very solid skill if we're talking about a guy who went to Washington and other players who are also going to be college athletes as well playing football. So those will be very tough spots to replace on the offensive side of the ball. And then on the flip side, the interior defensive line uh, loses some dogs as well with All-State Honorable mention, Caleb Renner who posted 50 tackles and three tackles for loss he's graduating second team all league Delano Jefferson who had 43 tackles and five tackles for loss and even leading pass rusher Brody Robinson who had four sacks they all graduate and that doesn't even include Malumba Wakalanji led in tackles for loss with nine across that very disruptive front line for the Wolves so the trenches on both sides are suffering here. And then to further talk about the defensive side of the ball, Max Kibbe graduates following a triple-digit tackling performance and being second on the squad with eight tackles for loss, averaging 10 tackles per game. And, uh, you know, the secondary, they went through a lot more change last season, but, uh, you know, they do have to replace second-team all-league defense back Gibby Leafgreen. Who is third on the team with 88 tackles and also led the team in past deflections with 10 while notching two interceptions and him along with two other interceptions of the team's five are graduating so four out of five interceptions are walking across the stage And then through the air the two leading receivers in simon Kibby and davion henderson will be a thousand plus yards and 10 scores that will have to be filled primarily by you know, last year's sophomores who were able to contribute a little bit here. And, you know, at the tailback position, uh, I believe it was Chase to here, uh, took more of a complementary role, and he did a really good job with 5.9 yards per carry and four scores, and he is also graduating as well. So there's going to be more pressure on the current tailback to kind of pick that up. But, you know... Let's talk about the returning tailback as well as, you know, other dogs that are returning here. So, yeah, the tailback who was an All-State honorable mention was Don Vernon. He was electric last year, and he has a very violent running style that promoted him into a work horseback. 177 carries for 1,123 yards and 14 scores. him amongst the top in the state for those categories especially on the 5a level here so you know that's a good place to start when talking about who's coming back and then like i said earlier after talking about the leading receivers there was a trio of xavier nito powers and vaughn who were all sophomores and they combined for 600 yards with nito Uh, putting together 383 of those yards. So, you know, they'll have a pretty solid junior core of receivers here on the offensive side of the ball. But going to kind of jump back and forth a little bit here. There was somebody who did step up last year who was a junior who led the team in tackles, and that was Preston Emkin, who reached 102 tackles as a junior and, uh, you know, was able to record a ton of physical stops in the Centennial League. And one can hope that he's even better next season. And then we got another Wah Kalanji here. This is in Congolo, who, you know, didn't have as good of a season as he was probably hoping for his junior year, but still produced, you know, 62 tackles, two for loss. And, you know, I think from what I was looking at on the roster, this might be the last Wah Kalonji, uh here at Grandview. And so, you know, he has that going for him as far as a little bit of a legacy thing here for the Walkalonges and, you know, kind of their historic run as uh contributors at Grandview. So, and then also on the defensive side of the ball, you have MJ Hayes who, you know, is going to be a rising junior this season and as a sophomore, he was second on the team with six pass deflections and also had 33 tackles and, you know, he was put on an island somewhat consistently and if he could bring down some of these deflections He could be in for around a four interception season. Honestly, he plays opposing receivers very tight. And, uh, you know, if you're going to test him, he'll, you know, he he was tested multiple times is what I should say. And he rose to the occasion a handful of times as well. And then Oba Zaraki here was the only other defender to record interceptions. Uh, I'm unsure of his position heading forward since he didn't get a ton of starts last season. But either way, he should be in the defensive secondary and you know looking to contribute, obviously, for, for this team here. And then the big returner here, the one who, you know, kind of will decide how far this team goes, who threw it or handed it off to other athletes or kept it himself was Liam Zarka. He had a total of 30 touchdowns. And he was the co-winner of Offensive Player of the Year in the Centennial League. He's an All-State guy. And, you know, he's hungry to win after having been so close the past two years of starting. You know, not only did he have all those scores last season, but 2,400 yards from scrimmage with his passing and rushing, just going ballistic. You know, so his health and his progression with his young receivers are critical to grandview's ability to make a deep run this season so you know talked about their schedule a little bit last year projected their window of ones to be six to eight they obviously were on the higher end of that here and you know i think that they're going to be a force to be reckoned with once again this year and then we'll see what happens in the playoffs where they have had their struggles the past couple of seasons so you know They start off at home against Overland. That's a win. They start off at home against Fossil Ridge. That should be a win. They play Ralston Valley on the road. That one's a toss-up. But, um, you know, like I said, that one's a toss-up. So that could go either way. So that's where the window of wins comes in, I should say. And then, you know, they have Fruit of Monument at home. Fruit of Monument graduating a ton of playmakers. They should be able to win this one without double overtime. They're going to destroy Pomona. I think they're going to take care of business against Eagle Crest. They should beat Arapahoe, I would think. They should beat Smoky Hill and Cherokee Trail, and then Cherry Creek is the question mark here. So you know, I'd say at worst they maybe lose three games, but at best they only lose to Creek or only lose to Ralston Valley. So I'm going to say seven and seven to nine. That is for their window of wins here, and I'm going to say official record of eight and two again. I think that's very fair, uh, just because I have a little bit more faith in Creek and Ralston Valley. But this could be the year that they win the league unequivocally and beat Creek and just go five and zero, and then go nine and one. So, and that's obviously why I have the high end of their window of wins at nine. And you know, this is a team that still could go undefeated as well. But uh, I feel pretty comfortable with that seven to nine window of wins for the Wolves here now on the opposite side of the spectrum here in the centennial league is smoky hill i was very very wrong about them last year i thought that they could maybe win four to six games and sneak into the playoffs but uh that did not happen as they struggled mightily last year going one and nine and they were kind of just in the uh storm cellar of 5a football i mean They had to forfeit their first game of the season against Denver East. They lose a close one to Rock Canyon. They destroy Overland. So this is starting to, you know, this looks like a team that I was kind of thinking they were going to go the direction that I thought they were going. Uh, They lose a big one to Palmer Ridge. That's kind of expected. But then they lose to Highlands Ranch. Wasn't really expecting them to lose that one. I think that that's one that they would want back. And then, you know, they lose to a Cherokee Trail and uh well they they go oh and five in league and i think that they should have been able to push a little bit more if they were able to play that denver east game who knows obviously but i think that that is where the wins that i was looking for should have been should have been coming from for them to go four and six last year instead of one and nine and uh you know getting scored on almost at will so let's talk about some of the graduating seniors uh tyler bowers was the starter but uh, he performed better over the ground with over 1,000 yards and 19 combined touchdowns, 11 of those through the ground. And, you know, that was good enough to win Athlete of the Year from other coaches in the Centennial League, but just didn't quite make the strides as a passer that I was kind of hoping for when I was previewing this Bison team. Now, two of his top pass catchers in Jamal Humphrey and Troy L. Dixon Jr., who had 5-2 and two, receiving scores respectively last season and over 900 combined receiving yards. Those are both gonna be guys who are graduating as well. So whoever's next under center will, you know, be playing with guys probably in their grade. And then eight out of the 10 leading tacklers are graduating and the two that aren't combined for only eight tackles compared to 71 from Taylor, 69 from Thompson, 59 from Copeland. And, you know, those make up the top three uh, with those three also combining for 15 tackles for loss and this doesn't even account for isaac withers who led the team with nine tackles for loss and tied with calem grimble with three sacks to lead the bison uh calem grimble was also an all-league offensive lineman and a second team all-state player who's graduating uh amir copeland was another defensive lineman who had earned first team defense in league and then you have roscoe taylor who you know not only led the team in tackles but also led the team in interceptions along with kyron gales who both had three interceptions out of the nine recorded interceptions only one was made by a non-senior so this defense is taking a pretty heavy hit here and then the offense losing their quarterback and whatnot as well as you know an offensive lineman and some skill position guys there's going to be plenty of opportunities for these underclassmen here so Let's talk about some guys who contributed last year. You know, you have Josiah Hargrove, uh, who did a little bit of everything on defense. 53 tackles, six tackles for loss, and that interception that I was talking about. So he'll be rising into his senior year this fall. And then, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, one of the rushers who's going to be coming back is going to be Kai Washington. He had 79 carries for 400 yards and three touchdowns and another two receiving touchdowns, so five total touchdowns for Kai there. And then John Bass Jr. had over 300 yards catching and rushing and had four rushing scores. So, you know, might have to lean on those two guys out of the backfield with a little bit of a duel, you know, or a running back by committee threat. And then... One would probably have to assume the class of 2025 product break is up next, having attempted 38 passes last season. But with such a small sample size, it's hard to say if he's the starter or the answer for Smokey Hill. And, you know, I'd say after a couple of years of relevance, Smokey Hill is kind of scaling back to the type of program we have come to know, uh, as with the extreme mediocrity that, you know, was happening over there when I was in school and whatnot and the mass exodus on the defensive side of the ball uh, is gonna mean that they're gonna struggle this year i really do think that they're gonna struggle this year probably even more so than last year if i'm being a hundred percent honest and so you know looking at their schedule i would hope that they're able to you know beat overland but i'm not entirely positive about denver east maybe with graduates at highlands ranch they could sneak that one in but I think that everyone else in league kind of took not necessarily a step forward, but it's just going to be more competitive this year. I think that one of the only teams that they might be able to beat in league is maybe Cherokee Trail or maybe Eagle Crest, but I don't see them toppling Arapahoe, Cherry Creek, or Grandview, honestly. And then, uh, you know, Palmer Ridge, they're going to have a new coach, but they have a lot of returning talent as well. They're a great program. So, you know they probably lose that game and i'm going to give them a window of wins of 1 to 3 here uh hoping that they are able to sneak one of those wins in whether you know it's over east highlands ranch or overland probably with those being the opportunities to win for this you know buffalo's team here so that's i know that's brief and short but that's kind of all that the all that there is to talk about here about the Smoky hill squad now as for the centennial league and as it goes we did have a resurgence last year from the eagle crest raptor program they got their coach back and you know like i said they were back to being relevant and you know to their winning ways with plenty of returners and you know they had a playoff berth and one of the most explosive offenses in the state uh, they weren't really able to hang with the physicality in the Centennial League, but their speed and versatility was enough to overwhelm their non-league opponents. They went 5-0 and with uh, you know, Mike Schmidt listed on the roster, and I would expect a similar level of offense with a different cast of characters uh, that is maybe just a hair uh, peeled back. You know, last season... They open up with 56 points against Brighton, 34 points against Horizon. They squeak by a Highlands Ranch team that kind of had an overachieving defense last year, in my opinion, 18 to 15. Then they take care of businesses against Rocky Mountain and Lakewood before getting into league, where they do win two games to go two and three before getting kind of rocked in the opening round of the playoffs against a very well-tested Fountain 4 Carson team. So, you know, let's talk about some things that, are going to be kind of difficult for Eagle crest here. And I think that the main one is there's no replacing an athlete as special as Diego Kearns. He had over 2000 all purpose yards last season, including 1,548 rushing yards on a gaudy seven yards per carry and 17 total touchdowns. His speed acceleration and agility was legendary for his career at Eagle crest. And they will not only miss him, but so will Colorado football. Well, not as opponents, but you know what I mean? Uh, not only that, but anyone who had significant touches as well on the backfield is also graduating. But I mean, Kearns, who was just the guy who made plays, he was able to return kicks, punts. He was, you know, dangerous out of the backfield, catching the football as well. He could take screens to the house and, you know, was somebody who obviously was a top five senior running back here for us here at the pod when assessing tailbacks this past season. So, you know, that's gonna be hard to replace. Jacob Schmidt was not the best quarterback ever, but he was still the leading passer last season with 60% completion. And he threw more touchdowns than interceptions at a 15 to 10 ratio. Tyson Clark, he led the team with 26 receptions and is graduating. And then flipping over to the defensive side of the ball, you have Mueller or Mueller. Uh, He was second on the team in tackles with 81. And we'll take those across the stage with him, along with five of the other top tacklers, Uh, most notably Stagner, who had 54 total tackles and three of those going for loss. And then Peyton Taylor, uh, he was in serious consideration as being one of the best defensive backs in the senior class with a team leading eight pass deflections, three interceptions, and a pretty mind-bogglingly large amount of interception return yards with over 100 Uh, Not to mention a kickoff return and two punt returns for touchdowns, uh, being second on the squad in total touchdowns. He was a big play threat anytime he got his hands on the ball, and he was able to go get the ball as well on the defensive side of the ball. So, you know, they are missing, in the most literal sense, playmakers on this team heading into next season. And if I'm being completely honest, this is a pretty, you know, This was a pretty young team last year, even though they have some very high-end or top-end talent that is graduating. There's plenty of talent that is returning, including leading pass defender, safety, Cam Worm Chapa. I believe he has an offer to UNC. Uh, He led the team in interceptions with six. He also had four pass deflections, which was second best after Peyton Taylor. And, you know, he also led the team in tackles at 100, and he did a better job of getting to the ball sooner but was just taking great angles to stop touchdowns constantly throughout the season and preventing the really big plays. Now, also somebody who I do know has an offer to Northern Colorado is Corey Jackson. He enters his senior season in the defensive secondary with a quieter season on three pass deflections and 31 total touch- total tackles, uh, but you know is a part of a Raptor secondary that has had so many years to mesh. And is very talented himself and uh, is a watchless guy for sure as far as cornerbacks go. So and then this was a bit of a newer one. I didn't have a chance to enter this into my notes until right now. But you know, they were able to, I don't know if he's gonna be eligible with transferring or whatnot, but Joel Yaboa from Thomas Jefferson, who was either the leader or second in pass deflections for that TJ squad. He is now said to be at Eagle Crest. And so, you know, that's a great, you know, addition for them and, you know, someone that's going to be able to kind of help with, you know, the pass game and whatnot, especially as some of these teams are going to be passing the ball quite a bit. I look at Cherokee Trail, who's going to be passing the ball a lot in this league grandview's a team that's going to be able to pass the ball very well so it doesn't hurt to be able to match up horizon is a team that can pass the ball well as far as out of league so you know it's good to have a very solid secondary which is something that i think eagle crest is known for but you know especially will you know be able to back up this year now there's a sophomore kind of linebacker slash nickel defender in ramajay owens had 65 tackles, and you know, he takes solid read steps and he flies downfield very well upon realization of plays. And you know, he also had two interceptions in the past game. And then the leading receiver in yards, Xavier Waldron, returns after 257 yards and four scores. And this is further aided by a pair of 2025 guys in Burke Woodycombe and Xavion Gamble, who are sophomores that had four and two receiving touchdowns, respectively and combined for over 320 yards, meaning whoever's under center next year has some guys to throw to who have varsity experience, at least. Uh, Brandon Replogle, uh was second team all defense in the Centennial League, and will be heading into his junior year. And then on the offensive line, they will see Weatherby Jr. ascend into his senior year, and Kale will have to be making improvements as a pass blocker if this offense is to be more balanced with question marks at their two most important positions last year. As far as quarterback and running back goes so you know while they do have a lot of returners i think that the positions that they have question marks at are very big deals now i do think that they are going to have athletes for that tailback position or just have one of their better athletes maybe play both ways and then quarterback you know the quarterback isn't asked to do a whole lot in this offense if i'm being a thousand percent and uh you know i think that overall it's going to be hard to you know, have some of the decision making that Jacob Schmidt had. And so, you know, I think that they should beat Brighton here. Brighton's just a team that's very young. And I think that uh Eelcrest should just be stronger up front. Horizon, this is a game that they should probably win since we don't really know what Horizon's defense running game or head coach is going to look like. But you always have to be careful against a guy like Alex Birch. Highlands Ranch, I think that they should win this game a little bit easier this season with everyone who graduated last season Rocky Mountain is a team that graduated a lot of talent so they should be able to win this game and they should be able to beat Lakewood as well so you know you're looking at a potential five and zero, or at worst four and one star in their non-league games and then you know heading into league I don't think that they could beat Grandview Cherokee Trail is going to be a toss-up Cherry Creek they probably won't be able to beat Smoky Hill, they should be able to beat, and Arapaho, they should be able to beat. So I'd say either one and four or two and three in league here to close out their season. So that gives them a window of wins of six to eight, I would say, um, potentially, or I, eh, it's more like six to seven if I'd be completely honest. So I'm gonna say, you know, but on the low end of things. Uh, it could be five. So we'll say window of wins of five to seven for this Raptor squad who could go undefeated in non-league games and then maybe go winless in league, but they should be they should beat Smokey Hill. And I'm gonna say that they go six and four on this season here. And now the team that, you know, we're always talking about here because they win. And that's going to be the Cherry Creek Bruins, your three-peat state champs, the defending state champs heading into this season who, per usual, were very dominant last year. Let's go ahead and talk about their recap. Uh, You know, and it's funny that they won state again. I was able to keep that sentence from last year, uh, but I would argue that this season was even more of a roller coaster with the quarterback carousel kind of exchanging seats throughout the season that culminated in a swap at halftime to beat valor in the state championship game and while they have a handful of returners they will be graduating a lot of significant members on one of the best defenses in colorado football history that they have been able to roll out for the past four years uh they they're not going to go away and i think that they're still a threat to win state and i'll go over, over some reasons why but i mean You look at the schedule last year and they just do such a great job of testing themselves. They beat Ralston Valley out of the gate. And Coach Logan had nothing but praise for that team and Giannis as well. So, you know, they're looking forward to that rematch. They lose to St. Edward's, uh, who is one of the, or St. Edward, I should say, who's one of the best teams in Ohio. I think that they end up winning state out there. They lose to them 13 to 9 in Ohio. So I think that that's obviously a good way to test yourself. They beat Chatfield by multiple scores. They beat Arvetto West by multiple scores. They absolutely trounce Regis Jesuit. So they start off four and one non-league. And then in league, they destroy Cherokee Trail, Smoky Hill, Eagle Crest, and Arapahoe before getting upset by Grandview right before the playoffs. Very similar to last year where they, you know, lose to Arapaho, and they kind of, it serves as a wake-up call. And then they just truly dominate in the postseason, scoring at least 41 points, In their three playoff games after a bye beating fountain Fort carson thunder ridge and pine creek and then having a comeback win over valor christian in what's been the most entertaining 5a game that we've covered since starting this podcast so you know let's go and talk about the graduating seniors because there is a lot of them but the big highlight here is the number one recruit from colorado blake purchase who's heading to the pacific northwest as a duck And, uh, you know, his creating as one of the best prospects we have ever had the pleasure of watching checks out. And it's a huge loss for this defense in both the pass game with his ability to, you know, deflect passes, but even more in the pass rushing department with a team high 18 sacks. Not to mention, you know, his ability to play the run was very good. He's somebody who could drop back in coverage, he could bat passes with a very good vertical and height and size and frame. And, uh, you know, he was the Chassa player of the year, he was the Gatorade player of the year. Those are big shoes to fill no matter what program you are. So that's the type of caliber of player that's being replaced here, high level D1 guy. Same with Logan Brantley, who's just another dude for this Bruin defense playing on the FBS level here with his commitment to KU as a linebacker after being a hybrid defensive athlete who could rush, play man, zone, and uh, play the run incredibly well. His grading as the best quote safety prospect reflects on his versatility as one of the best in the state last season and the interception leader for this squad since you know he played in the nickel role he would roll back cover two cover three man up play linebacker man up against tight ends or slot receivers he's just one of the best athletes that we've probably ever seen as well and just a freak as far as you know being able to close distances very fast very good reaction time and a very smart football player as well also in this secondary was a top all these guys were top five seniors at their position by the way if not number one Blake Purchase was as was you know Logan here and uh you know Braylon Warren while he wasn't number one he was a top five corner he was a lockdown guy who made our senior list and they'll miss him being able to just kind of fly solo on his side of the field Marte Russell is somebody who stepped up as a teammate and moved to outside backer and contributed with solid pass coverage these past couple of seasons. Uh Smith Combs signed to CSU. And, uh, you know, he takes with him a six foot six, 240 pound frame to Fort Collins after racking up three sacks and 38 tackles last year. Chase Brackney, he was our number two rated defensive end in the class of 2023. And, you know, he might be moving to the interior defensive line with his incredible size and strength. But regardless, racked up seven tackles for loss and, you know, got a scholarship to Iowa. I think that that matches his play style very, very well. So, yeah, that's just a ton of top five guys from our senior list, a ton of all playmaker guys, and, you know, just absolute beasts on all three levels of the defense. And then for the offensive side of the ball, you know, Maybe not the largest contributions to the overall season, but the guy who stepped up the biggest when he needed to was senior quarterback Brian Rudden, who came in the second half of that state game and connected with fellow senior receiver Ishmael Cc for a score and some solid chain-moving plays to bring Creek another championship. He was efficient in his time, but most of all, he was poised, and that will be something that the quarterbacks competing for the starting spot will have to prove this year. And they'll have to prove it without PMC's number one rated senior wide receiver of the 2023 class Ishmael Sisi, who battled through injuries to still produce 886 yards on 46 receptions and 13 scores via a combination of field awareness, route running, and great body control that landed him at Stanford. Then the second leading receiver, Kyer Johnson, was a speedy slot who racked up 444 yards and five scores while also being a threat on special teams. But a big loss here will be the leading rusher for the team, Carlson Bubba Tan, who had 1,224 yards and found Pater 13 times and was the crutch for this offense that didn't really have an identity through the air for the majority of the season. And, uh, you know, he was one half of a dynamite tandem. And then paving the way for a solid running game was interior offensive lineman Hank Zelinskis who was a top five senior at interior offensive line. And, uh, you know, his consistent footwork and strength pulling constantly from the center position uh, helped identify defenses and looks while set and uh, paved the way for a very dynamic run game last season. But, you know, it's not all gloom and doom here. Creek fans, don't worry. And uh, for the rest of the state that thinks it's going to be easy, uh, don't get your hopes up either in that regard because the Bruins still have plenty of talent, especially, especially on the offensive line, where they're gonna be returning, you know, three three-star trio of, you know, Max Parrott, 6'4", 275 pounds, and uh, USC commit, Hayden Treder, six foot six, three hundred pounds, and Iowa State commit, AJ Burton, 6'5", 275 pounds. And I think that Max Parrott might have just committed as well i think i saw something about that on twitter so you know i'll go ahead and take a look into that but either way these guys helped pave the way for an offense that had so many yards from scrimmage running the football they had multiple playmakers running the football very well and all in all you know that's a lot of size and experience to be returning who are all juniors And now they're even taking a step further. And, uh, you know, they're they're doing the most there. So, oh, yep, and that's what it was. Max Parrott committed to Purdue recently. So that is the breaking news on that front there. So, yeah, you'll have those guys returning. And then you'll have two running backs who had carries last year in Jordan Heron uh, and freshman from last year. So rising sophomore tailback Jaden Fox. Uh, who Blake Purchase told us to keep an eye out for. Those guys combined for over 1,000 yards and 14 scores, 13 touchdowns from Jordan Heron specifically. So, you know, those guys will keep this offense balanced for whoever wins the quarterback battle. And the two guys who I think are going to be competing for it are Aurelio Marchial and Brady Vodka. Obviously, you know, Brady was the leading passer from last year, but, uh, you know, he... He finished the regular season until he got pulled from the championship. So we'll see who is confident heading into the fall. But I imagine Brady probably starts since in the regular season, he did post 13 touchdowns to only one interception. And his ability to run the ball and use his size was, you know, a different dynamic for this Creek offense from, you know, years past. So, and uh, I trust Dave Logan and the coaching staff to develop him and be able to deliver darts from the pocket as well. Now, TI is somebody who returns on the defensive side of the ball after a freshman season that saw him collect three sacks, 23 tackles, a tackle for loss, and a few offers over the summer, uh, you know, from the likes of CU and I believe Iowa State maybe, uh, entering only his sophomore season. Then, you know, the headlining defender in this is class of 2024 do-it-all linebacker Angelo Petritus, who had himself another 100 plus tackle season and had another pair of interceptions proving himself as capable in both the run and pass game he will be the star of this defense heading into his senior year he's a very well-rounded linebacker and somebody who i think is probably my projection for the best linebacker in the class of 2024 when we do those senior rankings then the second leading tackler jake howell he returns after 113 tackle season where he ended up in the backfield four times and, uh, you know, between Howell and Petritus this is going to be a very tough team to run on. But, you know, these two guys are going to have a little bit more on their plates with a defensive line that was capable of doing so much and had so much depth going to be looking a lot different this season. Aiden Napke is only a junior at the safety position, but has been a ball hawk through his first two years and stepped up as a tackler this season, improving his tackle numbers up to 78, and is somebody who's recorded multiple interceptions and past deflections every year, and is somebody that, you know, can play the whole football field for this Bruins team. Then Keegan Perea on the D-line hopes to pick up where I assume his older brother Caleb Perea left off after a season that saw him notch three sacks in just seven games played. And then there are three other juniors who notched interceptions this season. Now, while this Creek team, talking about window of wins, the wow here to wrap up this episode, while this Creek team is not the same as last year, no one said they were going to be, but they just won't be. They still have plenty of experience returning on the offensive side of the ball to hopefully offset some of the growing pains on defense. But in addition to that, they still have the benefit of the best coach in Colorado football history, with dave logan and i cannot see them losing more than three games i'm gonna say a window of wins of seven to nine here now they open up the season at home against ralston valley that could be a loss they also have another home game against legacy but they have the benefit of both of those being home games at worst they split those going one and one before their other non-league games of Chatfield, Arvada West and Regis Jesuit. I think that they probably get a clean sweep of those with maybe Chatfield posing the biggest threat there uh, just with the amount of returners that they have. But I think that they just outclass them up front uh, in size, strength, and technique on the offensive line. So, you know, probably four and one at worst heading into league play where they take care of Cherokee Trail, they take care of Smoke Hill, they take care of Eagle Crest, and then they end the season... At home against Rappo and on the road against Grandview. And, you know, once again, I think that at worst, they maybe go four and one in those. So eight and two, I think at worst, but probably a regular season record of nine and one for the Cherry Creek Bruins. But eight and two seems to be the kind of pattern here. So let's just roll with what they've done the past two years and call it eight and two this season for the Cherry Creek Bruins. And sorry haters but another chance to run it back and go to state so but that will conclude my season previews of you know these teams on this episode with the boulder panthers mountain range mustangs north glenn Norsemen, westminster wolves and then the centennial league here with the Arapahoe warriors cherokee trail the cougars Grandview Wolves, Smoky Hill Buffaloes, Eagle Crest Raptors, and the defending state champion, Cherry Creek Bruins. Be sure to follow us on TikTok as we are going to have little snippet previews on there as well with overall synopsis of these squads here. And then please stay tuned as I have two more season previews coming out this week and three a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, for the next few weeks. And then after I depart, Coach V and Gideon will be doing much of the same. So to keep up with all of those episodes, be sure to like, subscribe, follow us on YouTube or Spotify podcasts, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, and turn on your notifications so you get notified whenever the newest episode comes out. This, in addition to following us on social media via Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, will be a great way to keep track of all of our newest episodes. And be sure to see what we think of your team and your program once it comes time for them. If you have any clarifications, please be sure to reach out to us over DMs if somebody has transferred or anything like that, because we only know so much with our little network that we have here, our little web of information, of reliable information that is. So thank you all for tuning in to this episode. I have been your host, Cody Stoffer, and peace.